Pondering the Bible. A deeper dive into the books of the Bible. Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I'm your co-host, Ken Corkins, and with me, as always, is my longtime friend and pastor, Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is Season 10, Episode 9, and as always, we pray that we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So it's a little bit warmer now. Yeah. It's not cold. It's not freezing. <laughs> yeah, it's and we're not cute. melting yeah. in the, in the yeah. summer heat. So <laughs> appreciate it while we can. Yes. I don't <laughs> have anything to whine about. <laughs> oh, I'll come up with something. <laughs> don't worry about that. All right. All right. So what are we covering this week? This week we're in uh, still in chapter three of John. We'll be doing verses 22 through 30. And this is sort of the beginning of the end for John the Baptist. Mm, okay. The end is near, but it shall not take place here. And reading from the New from Living the, Translation? From the New Living Translation, exactly. All right. Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there, baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is coming to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. Is the, it is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Amen. Okay, interesting story here. The first thing that pops up to me is Jesus was baptizing. And we don't normally think about that, do we? I mean, is it possible that some people could have actually been baptized by Jesus himself? If that were happening, I have to believe that would have created a massive split in the in the church after after the ascension of people of, yeah, you might have been baptized by John, or you might have been baptized by one of John's disciples, but I was baptized <laughs> by Jesus. Yeah, I was wondering if if he grabs you and puts you under the water, did he also go to healing? <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know. But so as it, it just reads that way through yes. this thing that Jesus is baptizing. Well, that's, that's actually our first verse there, 22. Okay. So, and it turns out, if we flip over one page, go to chapter 4, verse 2, it says, well, Jesus wasn't actually putting hands on them and baptizing them. He was supervising while he's a supervisor. his disciples did <laughs> okay. the baptizing. Is your supervisor here? So, No, this is one else that you read it and you go, holy cow, some people were baptized by Jesus. Right, that was my thought. Yeah. No, that's yeah. cool. And later on, John clarifies, goes, no, that's not what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What, uh, what's really great about this, though, is the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all essentially begin after John the Baptist has been thrown in prison and is waiting to die, only the Gospel of John 
gives us what what John's life was like prior to his arrest. Kind of the prequel. And it gives us what Jesus was doing for the first six to nine months of his ministry. We find out here, Jesus had a baptizing ministry near Jerusalem. We don't know that from the other three. So right. thank heavens for John telling us Jesus spent time near the, on the River Jordan in the vicinity of Jerusalem running a baptizing ministry, much like John the Baptist had. And we didn't know that until we got John. Very cool. All right. Then let's move on, 23 and 24. Yeah. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. 24 in parentheses, this is before John was thrown into prison. Yeah. Okay, why is this worth mentioning? Okay, we we talked several weeks ago on, on the Sunday where we discussed the baptism of Jesus that John was doing his baptizing in the Transjordan. He was across the Jordan River into what today is the country of Jordan. Mm -hmm. And he was doing that so that he wasn't technically in Israel and the church and the government would have created a lot of problems if they arrested him in another country and put him in in jail. So John was staying on the other side of the river, and and his disciples mentioned that later. That man you pointed out on the other side of the river. Ah. So we know he he was over there. Basically, to stay free so he could keep on with his ministry. But now, he, they, John, the, the Apostle John identifies these two towns, Anan and Salim. And what's significant about them is they're about 30, 40 miles north of where John had been doing his baptism and where Jesus is now baptizing. And he's moved into the region of Samaria Ooh. and he's moved back across the river to the western side of the river. And so he is baptizing Samaritans. That's a big, big It really is, because, I mean, that was a big point of—I'll call it contention, but it was a big issue in the day. Samaritans were not real Jews. Yes. Right? And they were less than Jews because they were Samaritan. I mean, just their very nature, they were— Mud mud dogs, I think we called them. Yeah. Something like that, so— I want to ask your opinion, you filthy little mudblood. Jesus was actually up in their area— like you said, having a baptismal ministry. John the Baptist is, yes. Well, Jesus is there as well, right? No, Jesus is still down near oh, okay. Jerusalem. okay, Jesus, okay. What are you confused about? Yeah, he's still south in Judea. Okay, my bad. Um, but it's, John it's the Baptist like is... John has changed states. He's moved from the state of Judea to the state of Samaria. Okay. Jesus is going to eventually end up in the state of Galilee. Right, is, okay. It's kind of a way to, to, to think of those. 700 years before Jesus, the Assyrians invade that portion of Israel, and they cart off all of the healthy, productive, intelligent, capable Jewish people, men and women. And what's left behind is people with physical disabilities, people with intellectual disabilities, people with appearances that, that might imply there's something wrong with them. Handicapped, physical yeah, handicapped. Yeah, The and unwanted. The unwanted, and that's who remains behind. And then the Assyrians move a bunch of their people into what is today or what became Samaria and gave them that land for themselves. Well, there is intermarriage Mm -hmm. that takes place. So you're absolutely right. Now, the Jews in the South and the Jews in the North and in Judea and in Galilee are like, they're not pure Jewish anymore. They're not really Jews. They're now as foreign as if they had been born in Assyria. And so they, they still want them to come South 
come into Jerusalem every Passover, pay their temple tax, (laughs) buy animals, make a big contribution and keep the economy running. But we're going to treat you horribly because you're bad people. You're not purebred Hebrew. Send your money, stay home. Exactly. (laughs) So, So they treat them horribly, bad enough that around 500 years before Jesus, the Samaritans go, that's enough. We're building our own temple. Mm-hmm. And so on Mount Gerizim, they build their own temple. It's significantly smaller than the Jerusalem temple. And of course, it doesn't have the Ark of the Covenant. There's only one of those, right. and it's in Jerusalem. But they began holding their festivals around this, uh, this on the same dates. And instead of coming south and spending money in Jerusalem, they keep all their money in Samaria. Fair enough. That goes on for about 400 years, about 100 years before Jesus the people in Judea, particularly the church authorities, say, that's enough of that nonsense. That money should be in our vaults, not in their vaults. And so they send a temple army north, and they destroy the Samaritan temple. Mm. Just trash it. And and you will now come down, and you will worship with us, even though we hate you. Right. <laughs> so about the time Jesus is born, the night before Passover is to begin a team of Samaritans come south and they bring with them 100 human corpses Mm. and they scatter them all over the temple property, which means it's now polluted and impure. It's unclean. Unclean. So for seven days, you can't have any any activities so there's no passover that year and that's and that's when the the jewish authorities are like that's it no more samaritans in our country ever they are just heathens and dogs we want nothing to do with them so now we find out that john the baptist has moved north to there's an area it says here it's got good water right, there's plenty of water right plenty of water and what it means by that is it's flowing water it's living water that what we, they the word they use in hebrew for the good water there is that it's not stagnant these right. are not just ponds this is good <laughs> moving healthy water and john is now baptizing samaritans And he's telling them that God loves them, and he's telling them they can go to heaven. So when we first read through this, we're like, okay, John's still baptizing. So what? This is a big deal. John's baptizing the wrong people. He is. (laughs) He's doing the wrong people. (laughs) And they keep coming, it says, right? The people just keep coming to get baptized. They're like, hey, I want to be loved by God. And if baptism is my path, then I'm all for it. This is the first time in in 500 years that Samaritans have felt loved by the Hebrew God. And so, yeah, they are swarming John the Baptist. Okay. Verse 26. Uh, 25. Verse 25. Oops. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. Okay. What about ceremonial cleansing? And then I'll ask my question. Yeah. It says that the man is a certain Jew. And the, and the word that, that John, the apostle John is using for Jew throughout his gospel, it means someone in authority from the temple who is against Jesus, against Jesus's ministry. And since Jesus supports John, then by implication, he's against John's ministry okay. as well. So this is a an authority sent from the church to go to Samaria to tell John the Baptist, stop it. Right. These are the wrong people. Stop baptizing them. Don't do this anymore. 
and and apparently they have a discussion about what to actually call this. If you remember, John the Baptist grew up in a monastery in the Essene community right. at Qumran, and they were they were purity obsessed. They believed that they they were not that far. They were only like ten miles from Jerusalem, and they believed that Jerusalem had become the devil's city. So if you left the monastery and had to go to Jerusalem to do any kind of work, when you got back, you stripped naked and they took your clothes from you and burned them Mm. because you had been in Jerusalem. So burn his clothing. And then you went into a ritual bath called a mikveh. And it's it's kind of like a swimming pool. And you would walk down these steps into the water until you were completely underwater, turn around, walk back up the steps. Now you have been ritually purified, they would put pure white clothing on you and you could enter the monastery. Well, apparently this church official is trying to negotiate with John, stop calling it baptism. (laughs) If you'll just say you're purifying them, not that you're forgiving their sins, not that God loves them, just, yeah, we purified them right then and there for a little while then I will leave you alone on this. And apparently John stood his ground and said, nope, we're baptizing. That's what we're we're doing. I'm reminded of the Blues Brothers. We're on a mission from God. But apparently this guy drops a little, uh, by the way, you know, Jesus is still down south where you used to be, and more people are coming to him than used to come when you were in Judea. You might want to think about leaving Samaria and getting back down there where your ministry is. Right, because you're losing your, your business. Yes, you're you're losing Jesus your business. Jesus is stealing your business. <laughs> <laughs> and that upsets John the Baptist's disciples. Oh, sure. And, and so they kind of like, what are we going to do about this? <laughs> right. Well, that was kind of my question is, who is this Jewish person that John the Apostle calls out? Yeah. Um, in some translations, it says some Jews. In this one, it says a certain Jew. Yes. There's probably a committee with one person speaking. So yes. that's how that kind of rolls out. And that was my question is, who is this guy and what do we know about him? So yeah. that was a good answer. You get two points. Two points, uh, two flats and a packet of grammar. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, verse 26. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River the one you identified as the Messiah is also baptizing people and everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. Okay. My first question here is his, his, John the Baptist's disciples call him rabbi. Yeah. And we talked last week, Jesus is called rabbi, even though he didn't go through the official channels. Yes. Maybe John the Baptist is a Essian. An Essene rabbi? Maybe. But we don't normally think of John the Baptist with the term rabbi, and that caught my eyes. Yeah, that's that's not normal for him. Normally, he's just called the Baptist, right? right? But the Essene community was a legitimate, recognized— Sect? Sect, exactly. Uh, The church, the temple authorities, the religious authorities, the Sanhedrin, they all recognized these scenes as legitimate. They thought of them as radical and strange, but they were legitimate. And they could train up their own priests and their own rabbis. They just couldn't use Uh, our our temple. Yes. (laughs) And normally, though, see, they never left the monastery. So we're not sure— 
did John just get a message from God one day and go leave the monastery, get out there and start your ministry? Or did the Essene organization bless him? And John, this has been on your heart for a long time. We're going to support you. You get out there and do what God is calling you to do. Right. We, we don't have enough don't evidence know, right? to, to go either way. But he may have been officially a rabbi, trained and prepared for this ministry by his sect, or or, or maybe not. We just maybe don't know. God just called him out. Yes. Okay. Either one would work. Yes. Um, so now, John the Baptist's disciples are now, we kind of talked about this already, but they're kind of upset that yeah. they're losing, you know— all the people are going to go to this guy you called the Messiah. What's going to happen to us? Yeah, right. That's kind of what's going on in twenty six, and I can understand their their concern. Right, they were probably taking a collection, yes, and maybe catching the little yeah. cash to yeah. pay for food, clothing, food stuff like that. Um, so I can understand their concern that hey, you know, my company's going out of business, <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's jump in the twenty seven. Well, twenty. Go ahead. You, you kind of think about like you know. Wh- the guy that starts Facebook and he's the first one to ever do anything like that. And it's radical and it's new and it, nobody's ever seen social media like this before. And then within a few years, everybody's doing it. Twitter pops up and then Instagram and all these other, you know, wannabes, wannabes yeah. pop up and start cutting into what's important and, and what's the heart of, of the job. And there's a good chance that that John the Baptist's disciples felt that way. Like, this is our thing. Right. This is what we do. You invented this, and this is our thing. And now we've got, you know, Hertz showing up (laughs) and trying to compete with Avis. And and it's just, you know, why are they here? Right. All right. Then 27 and 28, where John responds. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. 28, you yourselves know how plainly I told you. I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. Okay. So I understand there's a lot going on here. I'll ask you this. What is overall, what is your interpretation of John's response here? I think this is the most important verse. Verse 27 is the most important verse in the entire text tonight. And this is what I'm basing my whole sermon around on coming on Sunday. John says to his disciples, Everything you have, everything I have is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. It's not ours. Right. So don't be be jealous about somebody else in our ministry um, because it was never ours. It right. was a gift from God. We got to use it for a while. That was great. We had a good time with it. Now God has given it to Jesus. We are not going to get up, upset about this. He reminds them, you know, I, I told you. When you first became my my disciples, I am not the Messiah. I knew I was not the Messiah when I took this job, and I knew this job wouldn't last forever. I knew it would only last until the Messiah came. So there's nothing to be unhappy about. Right. We should be glad for the good time we got, for the ministry God gifted us with, not for what's next. Right. Yeah. I don't know what those guys are going to do, but hopefully they don't go to prison with him. But who knows if they leave. Well, I mean, once he, John the Baptist eventually moves more political and gets in deep trouble. Yes, he does. And I would be surprised if his, maybe, I don't know, if his disciples stayed with him or bolted. I, we I don't know. We know that they they begin running. They're, they're you're right, in jail in, in this time. You don't get fed in jail. So right. unless you've got people bringing you food, you starve. In so maybe jail. it's his disciples so supporting we know he's him. Got him okay. Yeah, because he stays alive for about a year, it sounds okay. like, in jail. So he's, they, they're at least supporting him through that. And, and we're going to find out later in the Gospel of John, 
they run messages back and forth between John and Jesus, right? Okay. They come to Jesus and they go, John is really depressed. Yeah, I remember and, that story. And he yeah. wants to know, did he make a mistake? Are you really the one or should he be looking for somebody else? And, and Jesus sends a really good message back with, with John's disciples. Go back, encourage him, lift him up, tell him, yes, I am the one. Right. Okay. Then 29. 29. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy for his success. Okay. Anything special about a bridegroom analogy here? Yeah, it's great that that's the way John the Baptist presents it. First off, because it clicks with all of us, right? The the best man Mm -hmm. shouldn't be angry that the groom is getting married. Right. Right. That's why you are the best man, because the groom is getting married. So you got nothing to be angry about. And and so John makes a great analogy there of, I was the best man from day one. We all knew I was the best man. But the other reason I'm really glad he, he words it like this is throughout Jewish history, the Messiah is portrayed as a groom and the church as his bride. Right. And in Christianity, we adopt that, right? Jesus Christ is the groom, and we, the Christian church, no specific denomination, we, the church, are the bride of Christ. And throughout most of Jesus's parables in the New Testament, heaven is depicted as a wedding banquet, a wedding feast. And so John does a really good thing there in tying in this this wedding analogy to Jesus, because that's going to figure very strongly in Jesus's own personal message for the next two years. Outstanding. Let's finish up with verse 30. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Um, Haven't we heard this before? We have, but this is interesting because uh, you know how we were talking last week is John 3.16 Jesus speaking, right. or is it... Uh, John the Apostle summarizing. Yeah. That. Well, the same thing has just happened here. The vast majority of theologians believe these are John the Baptist's last words in this gospel. Hmm. And so he reiterates what he said from the beginning, right? I'm just here to make the road straight. Right. As soon as he shows up, I've got to diminish and go away. And verse My work here is done, right? And in verse 31, then, it will become the Apostle John narrating. There are some who believe 31 is still John the Baptist speaking. You can get a good reasons for both sides, but I'd say it's probably about a 75, 25% argument, 75% saying this is the end of John the Baptist in this gospel. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. 31, I read it. We'll get there next week. I know. Yeah. But I'll just read, I'm peeking, I'm sneaking ahead. <laughs> All right. Anything else on this one? No. Have you given a summer title yet? Calling this one a gift because whatever is good in your life that you're happy with right now, that you're excited about, uh, don't try and take credit for it. That is not of your own doing. It is a gift from a God who loves you very much. So if you'd like to listen to the sermon that Rocky delivers, it'll be on our website at www.pondergmc.org. At the top is a menu called Ministries. Click that, go down to Sermons, look for the sermon, A Gift. And this will have been delivered on February 4th, 2024. Yeah. Where are we going next week? We will pick up in verse 31 and finish out the the rest of chapter 3. Okay. So as we wrap this episode up, remember the famous words of Carol Bryant, who once said, He who laughs last 
didn't get the joke. <laughs> and with that, I think we'll close this episode. This is Ken Corkins and Rocky Ellison reminding you to love God and be nice to people. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us at www.pondergmc.org. There, you can watch our live stream services, listen to replays of Rocky's sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible. 